Hey, my name is Cullen. I beat the often path by starting Done Good. Forbes called Done Good the Amazon for social good. Uh, we're a shopping site where you can buy all sorts of stuff, but every company that sells on our site pays good wages, uses eco-friendly practices, makes the world better. So you know that the money you're spending is always doing good for people on the planet. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. On this show, we celebrate unique companies and individuals, the kind of people you might not have heard about before to help us think outside the box in our lives and careers. Today, I'm joined by Cullen Schwartz, the co-founder of Done Good, an e-commerce platform that is like a more ethical version of Amazon. They only work with vendors who have vetted their supply chains and who offer quality products, products that are better for the planet and for their customers. They only work with companies who are committed to human rights, fair wages, worker empowerment, and the protection of wildlife and the environment. So awesome stuff. Cullen is an alumnus of the Harvard Innovation Lab, and his B Corp is a Best in the World Award winner for excellent social and environmental impact. We talk today about how he left behind a profitable career in big league politics to pursue what really mattered to him and to lead a more authentic life. So here is the inspiring tale of Cullen Schwartz of Done Good. Well, that's a fabulous intro. So, politics, where it all began. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with anything you just said. What, what do we know about of... politics? What do we feel about it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you have an uh, so, extensive so, background in politics. So, so many feelings about politics, right? Like, I mean, yes. uh, yeah, I I mean, they, they are related to a degree, right? Like, I mean, I got into that line of work because I cared about fighting climate change. I cared about uh, economic equality and human rights and women's rights and, uh, you know, racial equity and those issues. And you think, okay, well... Let's go fight for those things in in the political arena, right? And so look, basically, you're an public... idiot, is what you're saying, right? What that I was an idiot? Is that what you said? Ba- basically, you're an idiot, right? Because only a moron would care about those things, right? Yeah, right. This is a super conservative show, by the way. <laughs> no, yeah, right. not at all. I'm just exactly. Kidding. No, right. I completely agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, yes, right. Exactly. So, well, right. So, but then you know, look. Like I said, I still think I think public policy is important. Elections matter. I still hope everyone votes, you know, I mean, as much as like, uh, you know, it's still important, right? Look at, I mean, Trump beats Hillary, three Supreme Court picks and, you know, things change, right? So I still think that is important. uh, But I also found like working down there in it, in Congress in particular, uh, a lot of gridlock, you know, we'd work for years to finally get some legislation passed and it would make one area of the federal of federal policy a little less shitty. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're making things a little less bad. And wondering that was years of my life. I mean, you're you, you do find, you know, a lot of times you're fighting the other side to an endless tie. And uh, again, I think that's all important. But I came to believe that there's another avenue for change that I believe in more. And that's using consumer spending to make the world better, right? Like we, um, Americans in total, gave $475 billion to charity last year, but we spent over 300 times more than that buying stuff, right? And so if just even a fraction of our spending can fight climate change, reduce poverty, make a positive impact in the world, help create the kind of world we wanna see, that's that's huge, that's a huge impact. And a fraction of our spending can quickly match all the money that's going to all the nonprofits and all the good in the world that every single charity is doing, right? And so 
Again, I think public policy is important. People should vote. I think nonprofits, I hope the number goes up. I hope people donate more. There's, I mean, well, mixed bag with all the numbers, but like a lot of really great organizations doing great work in the world. But if we're not paying attention to this huge mountain of resources that is consumer spending, then we're missing a huge opportunity. I think the most powerful opportunity to, to shape, shape the world. If you want to change the world, really, you change business behavior. Right. And if you want to change business behavior, you change consumer behavior. Right. Who who we give our money to businesses will chase our money. Right. And as consumer demand changes, business behavior changes. You want to solve climate change? Like, yeah, the Paris Accord. But we don't need the Paris Accord once businesses start reducing their carbon footprint. We'll hit those goals anyway. And so I think rather than having you know faith that Washington is going to solve a big problem like climate change, I mean, they ain't right. You know, uh, however, because consumers, that's already happening, because consumer sentiment is shifting and more people are thinking about the impact of their purchases, who they're giving their money to, um, business behavior is already starting to change. We just need to accelerate the pace of that change, right? And so uh, every time that we choose to give our money to a business that is super sustainable, paying living wages, we help those kind of businesses succeed. More people want to start businesses like that. And eventually, even the big guys start to see this shift in consumer spending. They start to shift their behavior, too. I really think that is the hope. You know, that's the hope for humanity. Yep. And that's how we really make an impact. I mean, if we're again, we should vote and march and post on social media and volunteer and donate and do all the things. But if we're doing all that stuff and then we're given all our consumer spending to businesses that are working against us. Well, what the hell are we doing? You know, completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think smart people, if they are smart, they're asking themselves the question of what can I do to create the most change? What is the most effective vehicle for the kind of change that I want to create? Right. And that touches upon the fundamental premise of this show. We're all seeking. What is Because if I post about something, then we, we understand that we can quickly find ourselves in an echo chamber. I say this, and then all of the people who are liberal and progressive, they'll all flock to me and we'll all agree with each other. Mm -hmm. And then over here is a completely separate internet where all of the conservative people live and they're posting those memes and sharing that. Yep. So we can quickly just get further and further away from each other. And we say, or if I say 99% good things, but then I mention one thing about women's rights, then somebody will say, hey, you just lost a follower. I'm out of here for good, right? right? So we're in this super delicate and weird time where we've got all these one button issues that people are divided over. And the question is, how can we actually get change done instead of, like you said, fighting to an endless draw right. for years and decades, which is basically the stalemate that we're at. But that's right why I think it is in the market and changing business behavior, because big multinational corporations, if there is a sort of, you know, politically agnostic group of powerful people, that's them. I mean, they might not be personally politically agnostic, but at the end of the day, they chase the money. You know what I mean? They want to make a profit. They are a rational actor in that way. You know what I mean? And they see shifting yes. sentiments in consumer spending. Then they they want to they want to make that shift, which is why you have all these. You know, there's an explosion of sustainable lines and social enterprises and all this. I mean, I think we're at the beginning of the the exponential explosion, right? I mean, it's starting really to increase. But, you know, as that continues to grow, big companies changing their their behavior more and more that that is a, an avenue for change that works, that is working and that 
there's big opportunity to accelerate the more that we all shift more of our spending more of the time. So, but then you get to like, well, how do you help people do that? That's where we come in at done good is we mm -hmm. said, all right, well, I mean, I wanted this a site like done good to exist. I said, all right, I'm working in politics. I'm probably, I don't know who I'm giving my money to when I buy things. Right. It sure would be nice if there was a site where there was everything I needed to buy all in one place but I knew all the companies shared my beliefs and supported things I believe in. I knew that they were all paying living wages. I knew that they were all incredibly eco-friendly, um, given to good causes. And so that, you know, man, uh, I knew I could feel good about it. And it would still be then quick and easy. I mean, that's the thing. I'm not trying to spend all day online either. You know, I mean, everybody's busy. And uh, so that's why we started Done Good is so that we could create that sort of Amazon for good where... It's quick, easy, convenient, you know, whether you need coffee, whether you need clothes, whether you need, you know, bedding and bath supplies, shampoo, household cleaners that are non-toxic and not going to kill you, you know, uh, all of it on one site. Uh, so it's super fast, super easy. That's how you get, then, you know, you'll get more buying. You get more people to shift their spending more of the time, the easier you can make it. So that's what we work to do. Well, I love all of that. And we've talked on the show a lot about single-use plastics. Obviously, some governments are beginning to outlaw single-use plastics, seeing the waste that comes from those mega factories producing bottles and bottles of this garbage. Yep. Horrible. But I think of Amazon as maybe not single-use plastic, but maybe double-use plastic. Things that get two or three uses, and then they break. Things that are designed to be crappy. Totally. I bought a dust buster from Black & Decker. God knows what the brand has become. I think we can all guess. Well, Black & Decker is not Maybe even a real clean brand. my couch Black and Decker four just, I mean, times. They don't even make anything anymore. It's strictly a licensing organization where they put their name on shit that other people make. So, Well, I'm not surprised because I buy this thing. I clean my couch three times with it and just dies. Of course. And you can see when you pull this thing out of the box that the wiring used to charge it is the literal thinnest possible wire yes. that could ever be used. You know it's crap. Every piece of it feels like crap and it breaks. Yep. Well, and they're cutting corners at every level, right? Like, so they're making the thing as cheaply as possible. That means like the thing itself is really low quality and it's going to break. And so then, yeah, it's like you got a real good deal in it. Oh, it was only $8 or whatever ridiculously low price. Yeah. And you used it three times. And so you keep buying another one and it ends up not being that cheap anyway. Right. Uh, but they're also, of course, I mean, they're not paying workers well. Whoever made that is making a poverty wage. When you see this stuff that is bargain basement prices, you know there's either poverty wages behind it or worse. I mean, slavery is still a thing. The, slavery is still a, I mean, we call it human trafficking now, right? But like, let's call it what it is. It's modern day slavery. It's still a $150 billion a year industry worldwide. There's more slaves on the planet now than at the height of the African slave trade. And if you use a um, site, slaveryfootprint.org, uh, you can actually enter in what Ooh. kind of stuff you've bought over the last couple of years. And they'll tell you, oh, here's how many slaves you've had working for you on average, you know? Wow. And so then the average American has dozens, if not, you know, well above a hundred, couple hundred. I mean, I'm the founder of Done Good. And through like buying wow. less and, you know, uh, buying secondhand or of course, like buying stuff on Done Good or from other, you know, ethical, sustainable companies that you know, you know, don't have slavery and poverty wages in their supply chain, I've been able to get my number down to 10. And that's really good. And think about that, like, oh, it's, you know, a great score. I've done a like, great job by changing my buying habits to get my number to 10. 
right? So, I mean, that's all this stuff comes at a cost. I mean, they're doing it as cheaply as possible. And so that's the real problem with Amazon. I mean, it is, it is multifold, right? One, Amazon treats their workers terribly. You see all this stuff about all these injuries and people not being able to go to the bathroom, drivers peeing in bottles and stuff like this. Meanwhile, Jeff Bezos is flying a penis-shaped rocket into space or whatever. They're not paying the taxes. They're running small businesses off the face of the earth. So yeah. there's Amazon, the company, but then there's all the companies selling on Amazon. What do we know about them? What fly-by-night outfit operating with what kind of supply chains, you know? And so... Um, and, you know, doing what to the planet? So, yeah, no, like, uh, that's, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, negative impact at, at a lot of levels. Uh, but so that's why, to the extent we can be an alternative, I mean, look, we've got over 100 brands on our site. We're working to keep adding brands all the time. We don't have anywhere near the selection Amazon does. We can't do the, like, 24-hour free shipping like they can, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah, all that stuff comes at a cost. And so, but we hope that we can be an alternative, even for, like, a lot of purchases, you know what I mean? Even if once in a while people still have to buy on Amazon, like we, we get it. Sometimes, you know, you need that thing that you can only find there and you do need it 24 hours later. You need, you lost your computer charger. Like I can't work until I get that. Yeah. Okay. You got to order that Amazon. We don't have that on that good, but for a lot of the basic stuff, uh, we hope we can be an alternative. So then, um, like I said, even a fraction of our consumer spending, helping to with you know fight climate change and empower people and pay living wages and point the world to a new way of doing business yeah that's huge that makes an impact that is huge and going back to the other point that surely every listener will want us to gloss over and quickly put behind us if i never gave a shit about anything that i ever bought i never cared about anything ethical or globally minded or eco-friendly how many slaves would that number be? Maybe a hundred? Well, it depends. More? It depends how much stuff you buy then. You know what I mean? That's a big part Everything of it. I see. Everything you see. I, I buy everything in the Sharper Image catalog. I buy everything yeah, in the airplane. Yeah, h- hundreds. You'd probably be in the hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. yeah. And 10 is a realistic t- t- ten, well, I mean, t- That's a sobering is like, truth. 10 is like, I work really hard to buy less, buy secondhand, or buy on done good, right. or otherwise something that I know is ethical, sustainable. Right. 10 is like, I mean, you're doing, is you're doing pretty well, I think. Like, I'm like, man, I've really, like, worked to have got that number low. Yeah. Incredibly sobering. Yeah. No, it but, is. And, and it's also, know, people ask us, what, well, what big companies should we avoid? Now, the, the problem is, I mean, you know, just to understand this stuff, like, it's not like a executive at H&M is like, hey, let's use slavery. Hey, let's use child labor. It's that they're so big. These systems are so massive. They don't know what's in their supply chain, right? There is no H&M factory. They just subcontract to another company that produces the stuff. And they subcontract to a mill who subcontracts from a cotton farm. Meanwhile, a subcontract to make the buttons and the zippers. And that goes all the way back to the mines and, uh, you know, the mine, the metal for the zippers, whatever. And, you know, and so if you have to crank out billions of articles of clothing a year, then you're going to subcontract with so many companies and so many, they're going to subcontract with so many you just have no idea what's in the supply chain. So like what big companies have slavery in their supply chain? Like, well, all of them somewhere. That's the thing, right? So if you bought one H&M thing, oh, is that made by, you know, a, a victim of human trafficking? Who knows? You don't know. But that's the problem. You don't know. And so that's where if we can provide sort of that that safe haven site where people can know, like, okay, look, here we know for sure that we're not supporting stuff like that, then, you know, we hope that that can help. Well, I think it's a fabulous initiative. And I think 
We could call it the Amazonification of products or the continual cheapening. We've gotten used to a cheaper and cheaper standard of products. We've gotten used to things that just break. I've ordered a number of things in the last few years that broke after one or two uses, just pieces of crap. But it's interesting because a friend of mine, he is in Hollywood and he does film and he buys some very expensive gear for film and lighting. And sometimes I'll see these products and it's a reminder of what a quality made yeah. product can be. Now, granted, it'll cost a thousand dollars, but you say, oh, that's a nice bag. That's clearly not going to fall apart or that's a nice wire. And then you realize we've gotten accustomed to such a low standard yes. of the products in our yeah. lives and we've got so much e-waste. And I think it was a gradual shift. Obviously, it wasn't overnight that we went from things that could last 50 years to things that last five minutes. But when you see the contrast between a well-made product and a cheap product, it's just getting more and more extreme, I so feel. Totally. It's a, it's a race to the bottom on quality and on price, right? Because those and they, you know, they want to make it cheaper, cheaper. They want to win the battle on the low price. But yeah, like, I mean, like you said, you know, with your Dustbuster or whatever, like, what are you really getting for your money? And that's, I'll say straight up, like, uh, some of the stuff on Done Good, I think, is pretty price competitive. And as the sort of... Uh, business as a force for good movement, the sustainable business movement continues to grow and mature. I think like it becomes more and more price competitive. But look, a lot of times the stuff on our site is more expensive and we don't, we don't set the prices. You know, we're the marketplace. We screen all the partner brands that sell on our site. They set the prices um, and they're always the exact same as they are on, on their site, you know? Uh, but so, um, but still, yeah, they're sometimes more, but that's, that's part of one, you know, they're more because when you pay people a good wage instead of poverty wages, you're not using human trafficking, you're not killing the planet. It costs more for the product to produce, you know, to produce the product. So it's going to be somewhat more, but also that's the other thing, right? Like the quality stuff that's handmade by someone who's paid well tends to be way better quality than stuff that's mass produced by some giant mega corporation who's trying to make stuff cheap so that we have to, it'll break down and we have to buy more of it. Right. And so ultimately when you say, Oh, I got that really great product for 20 bucks, you know, uh, but you have to buy another one every six months or every year, or you get something that's, you know, 70 bucks, but you've, you know, it was bought thoughtfully, consciously from a company that's making something good. You know, that you'll love it. You know, that it'll last a long time. And you know that, yeah, you'll keep it for five to 10 years. So if you bought a $20 thing every year or you bought a $70 thing that you keep for five or 10 years, the $70 thing is a better value for you in the long run. And of course, it's it's better for the world. And it gets into then, you know, when we're buying thoughtfully like that, maybe we're not buying as much too. You know, how many how many shirts do we need in the closet, right? Like maybe if we had, you know, X number of really good, like $70 ones that we really like versus a million of these $20 ones, then ah, we end up never wearing and they, they, like you said, they they break down and, you know, really quickly and we end up trashing most of the stuff anyway. Then we just stay on that consumption wheel and that's where they want us, right? They want us on that overconsumption right. wheel. And so that's, we, we don't want that, right? We want people to buy thoughtfully. We don't want people to buy stuff they don't need. We don't want to just push more junk out into the world, right? But to the extent people are buying things, we want to make it easy for them to, you know, shift that money away from these, you know, negative systems that aren't good for the world and to more, to more positive systems. I, I completely love that. And uh, my wife and I, we've made a conscious effort to do much of the same. We don't buy new clothing anymore, just full stop. In fact, I got most of my, I got this shirt from Goodwill just around the corner. So we do a lot of Goodwill shopping, a lot of Second Life yep. things. 
And I have such a, I think I'm a minimalist at heart and I have such an appreciation for a few products built well. And there are a couple things, if people pay attention in their lives, they'll notice there are a few things that have stuck with them through through the years. I found a Leatherman on the ground when I was 15 years old. I still use that thing every single day. That was over 20 years of use. It's not rusting. It's not falling apart. And sometimes I look at that and say, my God. How many things have stayed with me for 10 years, for 20 years? Very few. But those things that do, if you pay attention in your life, how awesome is that when something does make it and you don't have to rebuy? I think it's a beautiful thing. I've had shirts like 10, 15 years. And I like, uh, you know, I guess I'm a little embarrassed to say, uh, I guess I, I really need to learn to sew my mom will patch them for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, I really need to do, <laughs> yeah, to do this. Right. So I say it every time that I have her do something like I'm going to learn, I need to learn to do that for myself. And then, you know, but like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can patch stuff up, you know, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't own a ton of stuff. I like to buy secondhand as much as I can, but also I, um, I buy new more than I used to because I want the companies that are selling on done good to be successful. And if every dollar we spend is a vote, for the kind of world we want to live in and for the kind of businesses we want to succeed, well, then I want to, I want to give them some business too. Right. And so, um, yeah, look, I think, like I said, the way I got my slavery footprint down buying less, you know, I don't buy a ton of stuff. Uh, and then I buying secondhand. Um, and then especially for like household stuff, you know, furniture, desk, whatever, I get all that stuff secondhand, you know? Um, but like, you know, look, I'm going to buy coffee. I'm going to buy household cleaner. I'm going to have some shirts for work. I'm going to get those on done good. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, but then it's, yeah, buying thoughtfully, knowing that these companies have all been screened to make sure that they're ethical, sustainable. And um, then knowing that I'm supporting those businesses too, because like that is the, we need those businesses to succeed to help show that this business model works, right? And that consumers do want a different kind of business. So um, that's a bit of the double-edged sword. Like if those of us who care about these issues never buy anything, well, then it's sort of sitting out the election and <laughs> right. voting. If it's voting with your wallet, well, you yep. never use your wallet. Well, then you're never casting a vote. I do want to cast a vote for these these folks too, you know. That's a yeah. good point. And, and it seems to me, you know, if we look at the Whole Foods, the stereotype of the privileged people who shop at Whole Foods I have always had this love hate coincidentally bought by Amazon. Maybe right. Yeah. Amazon. Foods, but right, yeah. Uh, but you, you've got these products that are way more expensive and they've got so much packaging. They've got tons of gold embossed. So here's a, here's a, a chocolate bar that's going to cost you $15 and it's gold embossed and very thick packaging. And I think so much of what I see in a whole food store, for example, has the appearance of being ethical, but there is some fundamental contradiction in there because why is it wrapped at all? Or why is it wrapped in even thicker plastic than this other thing that's supposedly a worse alternative? And there's so many shiny things that are designed to capture and I thought that's where we've kind of missed the mark because that gives the movement a bad name. That makes it all seem frivolous. It makes it seem like people aren't actually smart about what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, well, and greenwashing is a thing too now, right? But uh, so uh, one, yes, you've got to be careful for the greenwashing and really look at what they're saying. You know, like I have to know that like all natural means nothing. I mean, at least there's no legal force behind that word. Now, organic, there are certain legal things, you know what I mean? Um but there is sort of the, um, you know, I look for if it's not undone good, you know, where like 
you know, I mean, people can know on done good. We've screened all these companies. You can look at the criteria on our website and things like that. Um, and so I think on a site like ours, you can know that they're all good. If you're sort of out when I'm out in the world and I don't know, then I'm looking for specific statements that, uh, typically are harder to lie, right? Companies don't usually, just like politicians, they don't usually lie straight to your face, word for word. It's, they say the broad thing that is true, right? And so it's like, you know, 70% of our products have one of the following, are made with one of the following sustainable practices. Well, okay, so that means 30% of your products are made with nothing, no sustainable practices. And then I look at your list of the one, and the one is like, you know, ridiculous, worth nothing. So like 70% could be most of those are that one, you know, stuff like that. Or if it's just like made in a greener way, like yeah, a greener way. But I want to see our production facility is powered 100% on clean energy. We recycle 90% of water in the plant. We, you know, like Patagonia is a great example, right? Like they, what, a, like we, you know, when they're talking about worker issues, they pay an organization called uh, Veritas, Veritas to inspect their supply chain to find out, right? An independent third-party audit. Uh, then I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I, you know, that's some, that's some weight. That's some credibility. When it's sort of like, you know, yeah. yes, greener pastures. And like, there's sort of talk about this stuff vaguely, but don't actually make a specific claim. Then I'm like, eh, get, get the hell out of here. I will say this about greenwashing though. Greenwashing is a sign of success. 10, 20 years ago, companies didn't feel the need to do that. The fact that they do that now shows that they know customers care about this stuff. And so while, you know, greenwashing sucks, I still take it as a sign of victory. We still, we, you know, we got them on the run, right? We, we, yeah. we know things are moving in the right direction if companies are trying to bullshit us about this. Before, they didn't even feel the need to do that, yep. right? Well, I love these products that are de designed by a legal team. I love the little trickery that they employ, like you said, or the, the little twists of language that they use. There was a product, it was a kettle corn, a microwave kettle corn that I saw a few years ago. And there's a little elf stirring a pot. You know, the, the, the suggestion is that he's making the kettle corn in the pot. And behind him, there is an old-timey cotton or burlap sack that says salt. And it's kind of spilling out salt. And then on the other side, there's a burlap sack that says sugar. And it's sort of spilling out sugar. At least that's the impression that you get. I was curious because I didn't think there was any sugar in this product. So I checked the ingredients. And sure enough, there's no sugar in the product. There is sucralose and Co some other sweeteners. Syrup and all this. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. said, hey, yeah. right, let's go back to the image. And then I looked and I see that the image was designed such that the sack of sugar was cut off by his body. So it actually just was yep. SU. And then the rest was yep. skirts. So I was like... It's you thought totally. it was sugar, you idiot? It's it's sucralose. Of course, that was what it was always meant to be. But there's all kinds of little stuff like that that I find hilarious just in the yep. products all around. Yeah, for sure. They're just trying to manipulate it. But, um, but coming back, uh, so obviously, you recognize that there are problems, as many of us do. And you set out to change this. You wanted to create done good. A lot of people are at this point where they want to do something. They don't know how. They don't know what's going to be the most effective use of their time. When you began this project, what were some of the first steps that you took to bring this into reality? Oh boy. Well, um, we, we had a good opportunity. We got, um, just with the idea, we got accepted, uh, into the Harvard innovation lab, the business incubator there. And so that was hugely helpful coming from politics, right? I didn't really know anything about the startup world. I mean, I'm at the iLab towards the beginning and 
you know, they have like workshops and, you know, smart people telling you things, you know, and I'm writing down like words to look up later. And I'm like, angel investor. Like, I don't know what angel investor means. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. uh, so, I mean, that, that was really helpful. I do think, I mean, then we learned kind of the, um, you know, the lean startup methodology, right? Like talk to the people you're trying to serve first, talk to potential who you think is your target customer, you know, do the, the old like lean canvas. If you've seen that, um, you know, start up, uh, it's like yeah, yeah. on one piece of paper, 20 minutes, you know, kind of thinking through like, well, who's your target audience and what's the, you know, what's your value proposition and, and all this. And, you know, just do it quick, right? Don't at the beginning, because you're going to kind of, you're, your startup, your business is going to evolve. It should evolve as you go and as you learn. So instead of sitting down and writing, you know, a 30 page business plan, do a lean canvas in 20 minutes on one piece of paper, then go talk to 10 people who you think are your target audience and ask them a bunch of questions about what really could make their lives better, right? Like what really would serve them well? What, what really is like a problem they're having that you will be solving. Right. And, um, and then continuing just through that process, get your MVP, you know, uh, just that initial most simple version of your product out, then get feedback on that from real people who are using it, right? Uh, and then iterate and evolve and, and continue to make it better, right? We, um, we actually started with an app uh, in the greater Boston area where, where we were at the time for like local brick and mortar stores. It was more like a Yelp style app. And, um, there was a variety of reasons why that was a really hard business model to crack. I mean, one was, you know, we had over 1200 businesses in the greater Boston area, but like, okay, I'm looking for restaurants. Okay. Well, that's now we're down to some hundreds, right? Well, I want Italian food. I mean, okay. We got one, you know what I mean? Like quick. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. And also that's right. You know, way on the other side of town, like I'm not going to go there right now. Or it's, a lot of times, right, if that Yelp style use case, it's I'm in this part of town right now, where can I find to eat around me? And it's, you know, a young person who's on foot in a city doesn't own a car, right, or whatever. And we're like, oh, well, six miles away, we got a really sustainable place. Like, ah, I got 20 minutes before my next work meeting, you know what I mean? And so that was one thing was like online, we're asking people to move their mouse four inches instead of walk an extra four miles. And you just, you get more buy-in if, if the action, you know, that you're asking people to take is, is lower than, you know, you, you get more buy-in. Um, another was the kind of businesses, you know, to like, so we didn't really have enough businesses. We're still asking people to walk four or six miles, but to get those 1200 businesses on, we, we had to let businesses on that qualified for any one of our kind of done good values, right? So we had like eight different badges and one of them is eco-friendly and one of them is empowers workers, you know, pays good wages. But another, you know, there's various others. And one was just like women owned. One was locally owned, right? Well, just, sure. and we thought, well, we'll put the badges and people can make their choices. They'll see in what ways these, these things are doing good. Well, just because you're a women owned business doesn't mean, frankly, you're doing, you're doing anything great for the world or just because you're locally owned. You know, we find like locally owned businesses and like, yeah, they're paying minimum wage and using star foam. And this isn't the kind of business we set out to achieve, to, to support. We had one local florist say, uh, hey, I hope you guys fail. Uh, he's locally owned. Oh, that's good. But yeah, he hopes we fail because he flies his flowers in from China every morning, and which is a terrible environmental impact. And he has no idea the work conditions that or what people are being paid to pick those flowers. So like, what are we really doing here? Right. And and so with online shopping, like I said, one, you know, it's just about moving your mouse a few inches, but also then it's companies that serve the whole country. 
And so then we could work with, you know, a couple hundred brands that were killing it on everything, like super eco-friendly, paying great wages, giving to good causes. You know what I mean? Like really the kind of businesses that we think are world changing and that we, that's what we set out to support. You know what I mean? Um, and we even did some research around like the shipping, you know, well, but what about the environmental cost of like shipping products to your house versus shopping local? Well, it actually turns out in a lot of cases, shopping online is more sustainable because they say you get clothing at a local store, the clothes were still shipped to that store, but the biggest carbon emissions throughout the, the supply chain from that shirt going from like cotton to shirt to the store to you, the biggest single piece of carbon emissions is you driving your car to the local store, right? And so uh, now if like you're buying local clothes and if like, the cotton farm and the mill and the store were all in your town and you walked to the store to go get it. Yeah, that would be more sustainable than online shopping. But like, that's rarely the case, right? And so it's actually more sustainable sure. in, in a lot of cases to online shop. And especially on Done Good, we actually pay to offset the carbon emissions of every order. So every every shipment is always carbon neutral. So then it's then it usually is is more sustainable that way too. So that's why I mean I, I mean I guess the, to your initial question, what were some of the first steps you took? Well, we tried a model, also just scaling from like city to city, like doing okay now this city now this city now this city this city you know super super hard model to make work. So that's another thing we did. We tried a model. It didn't work very well. It didn't allow us to support like the really ethical and sustainable companies that we really wanted to, and. Um, so we, you know, we continue to evolve. I mean, you make little evolutions within your business model. And then sometimes you realize this whole thing don't work. <laughs> you know, we got to we got to change the whole the whole model and pivot completely. And so, you know, there's been some of that, too. Super cool. Do you feel that your personal cynicism was lessened once you started discovering some of these businesses that were truly outstanding? Did it make you feel a little more positive about the world in general to know that they're out there? And yeah, I mean, the, my favorite thing, I mean, when we first started, there was only a couple of us. Like I used to get to talk to a lot of these businesses. And now we have a, a VP of partnerships who, you know, she talks to a lot of the businesses. That's like when I get to talk to other founders uh, the, who founded the businesses that sell and done good. That's like one of my favorite parts of the job. And I'm like, sad I don't get to do it as much as I used to, you know, like, uh, and, um, cause they're like a self-selecting group of cool people. You know what I mean? Like they all have the same story. Right. I quit my career and took a big risk to try to start a business that's doing good in the world. Right. And so like, yeah, they're cool. I mean, how, what kind of people could they be? You know what I mean? Right. And so they're really interesting, really kind, really nice. I mean, we're all working together. We're all on the same team. You know what I mean? Like, and so, um, yeah, I don't like, there's no sort of like tough negotiations or, you know what I mean? Like I'll say that yeah, just my whole personal stress level. I mean, I don't know. In some ways your stress level goes up, right? I, I saw a, I saw a post on social media at some point a while back that said, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it had crossed out, never work a day in your life. And it said, do what you love and you'll work really effing hard and you'll care a lot and you'll take everything personally. And I mean, and so that's, I mean, to some degree, the stress level is there. Like we're still trying to make the thing work. You know, we've stayed alive for a few years, but we're trying to grow to like really have the kind of impact that we set out to achieve. I mean, you know, what ultimately what you want, right? Is millions of people moving billions of dollars away from the big multinationals and two companies that are fighting climate change and reducing poverty. Um, 
And so that's a struggle, you know? And so there is some of that stress. But on the other hand, uh, like, I mean, it's a more, um, the, the reduction of stress in like living an authentic, you know, sort of like, I really believe in what I'm doing. And all the people I work with are really cool people because they believe in what we're doing. And all the partner brands we get to work with are really cool people. And instead of being a spokesman for politicians where I got to like say negative things about the other candidate whose policies probably are deplorable, but I don't know. He's probably like a nice dad and grandpa, but I got to like talk shit about him in the press all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, uh, I don't have to wear Mm -hmm. a suit all the time. I mean, even that sort of little stuff, right? Like it's um, in that way, like a lot of, a lot of stress relief. But yeah, then I guess traded for the, I really care about this and I really want this to work. This isn't just a job where like, I don't know, right. I'll work like just enough not to get fired. It's like, I, I, uh, you know, you care a lot. And so then you work super hard and then you have to like, you know, talk to your therapist about restoring work-life balance before you kill yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. That's so true. And to the people out there who are looking for jobs, like you said, we have both come to the conclusion independently that this is a powerful force for change, that consumer habits, that companies, I think basically based on the premise of my show, you can tell that I've also come to that conclusion and increasingly narrowing in on it. Um, but for people who do work in a job, like you said, it's it's not it's not donating that's going to make these kind of changes. It's not somebody deciding to do something. It's, I want a better product and this is a way that I can do it, but it's also going to last longer so it benefits me personally. It's right. not just a charity. But on the work side, we've seen so many people who are horribly fed up with work, all of these communities, anti-work, work reform out there. They hate their job, but it's like if you work for an ethical company you'll probably have a better job because these people pay better wages. They give you better working conditions. That's why they're companies that make your list because they're better to be a part of. They're better to do business with. They're better to work for. And that might motivate more people to realize, hey, working for Amazon got me nothing. But over here, I can feel more authentic, like you said, and have better conditions. The realities of of capitalism are tough. You know what I mean? Like... Because, I mean, yeah, yeah like, I, look, I know it can be hard for people. Like, well, well, especially, you know, you got a family, you got a mortgage, right? Like, okay, so now you have bills and you got to pay those bills. And, you know, it, it, it gets hard, uh, both in terms of choosing where to work and then also, you know, you're on a budget and, 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 and what you can buy. So, um, but I think there are increasingly like people realizing the full breadth of choices that we have, like we don't have to stay in these strictures. There are other opportunities. There are ways to like, yeah, kind of make your own, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or a podcast host or, you know what I mean? You can make your own path. I think people are increasingly aware of that. I think there's more and more opportunities to, to do stuff like that. And yeah, just, you know, more social enterprises that, that you can get jobs with. And that actually is one of the biggest reasons that companies are are changing. Big companies are changing their practices. One is they see consumer sentiment changing. But two, they know to attract talent, especially in the millennial and Gen Z generations. They have to have some other purpose other than maximizing profit every quarter because people want something more out of their out of their existence, you know. And I think that's really like at root what we're talking about. There used to almost be like a, a brick wall between like, my personal life where morality matters and then like the economy where it was all like hey man it's not personal it's just business like this sense like deeply rooted in american culture that was like 
If it's for business, then yeah, you just do anything you can to maximize profit. You just get the cheapest thing. You just work where they pay you the most. Like you just make those kind of choices here. Oh, and then your personal life, yeah, you donate or you volunteer and you be nice to people. Morality matters here, but in the economy, it doesn't matter. But in the economy is where we make the biggest impact in the world. That's where the freaking money is. You know what I mean? And that's what impacts the world. So like where we choose to work, what we choose to buy, you know, what the choices that com- companies, heads of companies are making, that's where most of the impact is. So over, but, but it was like this completely amoral thing. And the brick wall between the moral personal life and the amoral business world is starting to break down. People are realizing, hey, well, where I work just isn't my job. It's where I'm going to spend the majority of my time on earth. It's where I'm going to spend the majority of my life. What am I going to do with that time? What am I doing with my life, right? So, no, I actually want to do something with some meaning and some purpose. And then also realizing, like, whoa, I've got all this. uh, I'm going to spend a lot of money this year. Even if I don't buy that much stuff, I'm going to spend a lot more money than I can donate to charity. Well, if I'm going to buy things anyway, then, you know, that's a way to make a huge impact. And so more and more people are realizing like, yeah, where I choose to work, where I choose to spend, if you can invest, where you choose to invest, impact investing is becoming a thing. That's really helping to, to turn the tide. And so, um, yeah, that's yeah. the thing, like that, that the breakdown between the, this difference between our life over here where morality matters and our life in the economy where it doesn't. That's, it was bullshit. It was a bullshit wall. You know, now that wall is, is crumbling. I love that. Yep. Maybe that's one good thing that came from the internet. I don't know if you've seen those commercials lately. It's from all of the beverage companies. They pulled together for a PSA style commercial. It's called every bottle back. They say return every plastic bottle. Uh, and I'm thinking, why not just not yeah, buy oh, totally. it in the first place? <laughs> why totally. not just skip yeah. that step? <laughs> why yeah. not just not do it? Support another company and then you don't have to return a plastic the bottle. The coffee shop I work at, I don't know ocean. if they like me too much. I make them give me a glass for water instead of the plastic and then i you know just kind of tell them every time like why don't you do this for everybody you know <laughs> like but um yeah no it is it's that's, that's the thing right i mean it's just but more and more people are thinking about these things at all like that's a huge it's a, it's a huge step and like i said to the extent we can make it easier for people in our way then we like to do that and you know another way you know um that we try to do that. I mean, one is by making it easy by putting all these brands on one site. Another is making the stuff more affordable. I mean, we talked about this a little bit. You talked about like the privileged people or whatever that go to Whole Foods. And like, I think we do need to recognize that like shopping sustainably like comes with some privilege. Like if, if you are working a minimum wage job and trying to, you got kids and you're trying to make ends meet, like, look, I don't begrudge you. You need to get the cheapest thing possible. Again, these are the problems of capitalism. Or that, you know, Same. that some of us, yeah, like, it, it's hard for people who work for a living to buy products from other people who are paid a good wage. Like, that's messed up, you know? So that's why, like, if we do have some disposable income, you know, getting one, like you said, that higher quality product that's better for us anyway, in the if we're thinking long term, it's going to last longer, you know. But also then that supporting companies that pay good wages, the more that people make good wages, the more they can afford to buy from businesses that are paid, you know, that are paying good wages. Um, But in the short term, like recognizing all this and recognizing that like, you know, most of us at the Duncan team, you know, we're on budgets too. Like I'm still making less than I used to make when I worked in DC and most of our team took pay cuts to do this, you know? Um, So we're on budgets too. So we get it. So we also like try to do things like we work with our partner brands to um, 
hold like periodical sales events. Like we're having one, um, pro- I guess probably over by the time this airs, but our better days sale, like the, the days right before Amazon Prime Day, we have our better days sale. And we, you know, we ask our brands to, to do big discounts so that we can, so that we can match that, you know, Prime Day and that, you know, um, we can help make these products more affordable, more accessible to, to a greater number of people. So having big sales, that's a big sale. That's like 40 to 60% off. And we can only do that a couple times a year because our brands can only, can only afford to do that a couple times a year, you know? Um, we also negotiate like first time customer discount codes with a lot of our partner brands. And those are always on our site. Um, we, we have technology that automatically pulls in anytime any of our partners put a product on sale, it shows up on our sales page. So basically like anything that's on sale in the sustainable world is all in one spot on our sales page. So people can find more affordable things there. Um, we do things other companies do too, like a loyalty program where, okay, if you know, when you buy stuff, then we give you discounts, um, and things like that. And so, um, you know, we hope that that helps too, right? Because it is like, we're all making choices within the, like I said, the strictures of capitalism can make it hard. We're like, okay, we only get paid so much, so we can afford so much, but, uh, you know, one, the easier we can make it for people to find these companies by putting them on one site, but two, a big part of it is helping to make it more affordable. Cause like I said, that does make it more accessible and easier for more people to make the conscious choice more of the time. Fabulous. Well, we're approaching the end of our time now. Um, so I just want two quick, quick, quick things from you. Seven years you've been running this yeah. business, right? 2015 yeah. is when it began. So in seven years, describe to me the overall impact you've been able to make. If you have those figures handy, that's one. And two is what are the life lessons that you have learned Holy cow. since you started? Life lessons. Then we get deep with that. Well, the first one, I mean... Our impact really depends because it's the impact of all our partner brands, right? And they're all doing like different things in, in different ways. Um, you know, Starfish Project Jewelry is helping women escape sex trafficking in Asia. Uh, they're giving those women living wage jobs, making the jewelry, but then also providing them skills training so that they can graduate to professional careers to become, you know, teachers or entrepreneurs or photographers or whatever it is that they might want to pursue. That opens up more jobs for more women. And then the profits all fund their nonprofit wraparound services to help more women, right? So like, that's one great example. And then there's, you know, just these super incredible eco-friendly brands that are making, producing in zero waste facilities or um, 100% renewable energy powered facilities. Uh, and things like that. So our impact is their impact. It varies widely. But what I can tell you is it's been over $2 million have been diverted from, you know, multinational companies that are paying people, keeping people locked in poverty and destroying the planet and two companies that are paying living wages, empowering workers, fighting climate change, things like that. So, um, and then we can look, we do a year end thing where we're like, okay, well, so like enough customers bought from Kyrgyz slippers to provide X number of hours of living wage work for women in Kyrgyzstan or, um, yeah, by buying from, um, highway robbery and their zero waste facility, you know, you help save X uh, amount of waste and things like that. But that's, it's really specific to, to those brands. But for, for us, what's our overarching impact, moving money, moving money away from systems that are bad for the earth and making the world worse and two systems that are making it better. And so we've been able to, you know, uh, help people move $2 million worth over seven years. Right. And so, um, 
obviously that that's what I mean about the the stress of continuing to try to grow. I hope you know appreciate opportunities like this where we can reach other audiences, just tell more people we exist. You know, um, that's the double edged sword of capitalism, right? You only have so much budget for marketing until you make more money, right? And so you keep trying to claw and scratch right. your way yep. to, to to grow bigger. Um, so yeah, I know that's my initial you know my initial answer on impact. Life lessons. I mean, yeah, I'll try to say something you know. Uh, thoughtful and off message here, I guess, right? Uh, one, I mentioned like work-life balance. Um, I do think no matter what you're doing, uh, especially when you, when you do something you believe in, well, this cause, I believe that consumer spending can be the world's most powerful force for change. I believe this is the movement of the 21st century. You know what I mean? Like, I believe this deeply and I want to keep doing this. And so like, you know, that creates some stress and it creates the desire. Well, if this is that important, I should be working on it all the time. And at some point you realize like, you know, you're going to kill yourself. And so there always has to be some balance. And I increasingly believe that like, you know, operating from higher up on the consciousness ladder, right? Like when you're, when you're feeling energized, uh, you tend to be more creative and thoughtful and a better leader and better to work with and help keep up everyone else's energy and make it a more pleasant place to work as opposed to when you're stressed and worn out all the time, then you're further down on the consciousness ladder. Right. And, you know, um, so I also think that actually, as I finally, you know, it was like year six when I started, you know, year, year five and a half, six, when I finally started realizing like I needed to make a change personally and, restore some some mm. more balance and that if if as much as i believe in done good if it requires me to like severely underpay myself which i was doing and uh kill myself then it's not working right like realities of capitalism i need to make a decent wage even if it's less than i used to make but like and i need to not kill myself you know i need to work a reasonable number of hours and like I said, I do think that has actually, I, I'm not any less productive and probably like more creative and our team's energy and culture is better, you know? And so, um, I think that's a, that's a lesson. Um, another is I think really just the, like how much authenticity matters. I mean, I think it's like, you know, I mean, I came from a world of political communications. I was a spokesperson for politicians. My whole life was writing a statement for a senator and then like parsing out the exact words that would sound the best or whatever. But then, you know, you realize as you're doing that, that like, there's a reason why. And then, and then I'd write something and then, you know, the chief of staff would want to put in some words and someone else would want to put in some words and like, you know, and someone else would be like, well, remember the poll said blah, blah, blah. So you should fit these, fit the words middle class in there because the poll, and then all of a sudden you've got this statement that like, doesn't sound like a thing a real human would say. And this is why people think politicians sound plastic and why they think they sound full of shit. When actually I found like a lot of my, I thought my, my bosses like are good people who care about things and the systems they work in are messed up. You know what I mean? Like, and make them have to raise a bunch of money from rich people to, to get elected. That's a reality. As long as big money is a thing and Citizens United is a thing, like, if you want to keep your job and win an election, you got to call rich people a lot and ask them for money, you know? And so 
these systems like you know good people in weird systems you know and and then another weird part of the system is oh you gotta write, write a statement well you're writing it by committee jamming language from polls and then it sounds plastic and weird you know and so i just really think that especially nowadays like our bullshit meter is on so high we see get bombarded with a million ad messages a day or whatever it is all over social media and we're just so sick of it that like i mean it really is like i mean that today, like being really being real is the best marketing. You know what I mean? Like really just saying something you think is true and that you believe in the way that you would normally say it. But that actually like, I mean, that adherence to really just trying to be real and authentic and sincere. I, I like feel like it's even it's absorbed even more into my personal life. You know what I mean? And just like really trying to have sure. that as like a North. So like, I don't know, man, like no matter what you're doing, no matter what kind of conversation you have and what kind of relationship, like if you're just telling someone how you feel and what you think is true, almost nothing can ever go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and they might not like it, but like, I, okay, then they can, if they tell you how you feel, they feel like, I, I don't know, then what's the worst case? I don't know. Maybe you stop being friends because you feel differently, but I don't know. Maybe you should. Cause you, I don't know. You feel differently. So maybe it's better. Right. So like, I mean, it's just like, right. I mean, but almost, you almost never do stop being friends. You stop being friends when it's like this argument or this fight or people trying to get what they want or dragging for position when it's just sort of this, Hey, this is what I feel and think is true in a very honest, authentic, sincere way. Those conversations almost always go well, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, man, I guess that's the other thing. Just true. like really trying to like, uh, feel the authenticity feel the sincerity and genuineness like through and through and really like live and breathe it as much as possible i i ain't perfect at it you know what i mean but i feel like it throughout my time at done good i've become more that kind of person which feels better well that is awesome what a great sequence of things I can think of no better way to wrap it up. I want to direct people to your website. It's donegood.co, D-O-N-E-G-O-O-D.co. We, we do, we do actually own the .com so now, too, there, so you can just say donegood.com. It does. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't uh, dot com. revamped everything, so it's all on the .com. It's still all housed on the .co, but if you go to the .com, it redirects. So for public stuff... For public stuff now, if you're, if, yeah, if <laughs> you're doing you this in writing okay. on social media or whatever, just use yeah. donegood.com now you can use, yeah. All right, well, check it out, pop in there, make some better shopping decisions, see the brand, see what they're up to, support them. I think it's a great cause. I wholeheartedly support what you're doing. I'm happy to spread your message in any time. Hey, real way quick, we I didn't can. talk about this, but sometimes I can do a discount code, BTOP. So it's going to be BTOP is the code. That'll be 20 bucks off if you buy $100 worth of stuff. Sweet. Yeah. See, See we're making money we're on this show. Make this stuff more affordable. Just like that, that. that. You know, we Boom. only make a percentage of each sale at that. We make we make very little on that, but it's still cool to like, like I said, helps people make it more affordable and it encourages people to actually like come to the website. Even people who think like, oh, I'm gonna go to that website. A lot of us, you know, we hear stuff, then we forget, we get busy. But when you give a discount code, it's like, oh, people that are like, okay, now I'm definitely gonna check that out, right? So that's, I mean, that's cool. That's why uh, that's why those sorts of things work, right? That's why we do it, you know. Yeah. So B top, yeah, B top well, is the code. B T O P. Nice and I need to I remember. It. I need to remember to make it as soon as we get off the air. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. Those people yeah. flog into it and say, hey, that yeah. guy lied. No, <laughs> I'm sure it'll work. It'll be great. Um, well, again, thank you so much for your time, Colin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and with that, the official podcast Thanks, recording is over. All right, folks, head over there and use coupon code BTOP, B-T-O-P. 
check it out. It's donegood.com. Coupon code BTOP, valid only through September 30th, 2022. So you've got to use it before the end of this month. Check it out. It's a great cause. I think you're going to really enjoy it. See you next time.